again. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Can we call it kind of a normal type of trade? It was a quiet Friday in these grain markets. We're going to talk about this risk-off feel that we've had in the trade pretty much happening all week. Of course, it'll be interesting to see what happens come Sunday night into Monday as we look at weekend weather happenings and the global tensions that continue in the Black Sea region. We'll also take a look at maybe what you're going to be doing when it comes to positioning. We have been seeing, though, that kind of quick, fast-paced market trade. We'll look at that on the second half and a lot more as Heather Ramsey joins us. She is with the ARC Group and you you are very right when you talked about how quiet a Friday trade was. Yeah. Um, it feels like nowadays any trade that's you know under 30 cents on corn and 60 cents on soybeans and anything that's not a limit move on wheat unfortunately is starting to feel quiet and that's kind of where we are today you know uh, wheat is definitely down but you know down 20 to, to 30 somewhere in that neighborhood um, we're seeing deferred beans actually put in a smidge of a premium in the further out deferred uh, soybean boards there but everything else pretty much down you know two to five on soybeans you know three to 12 on corn. It's just pretty quiet. Um, Not really surprised to see us close the week that way, given kind of how the week had traded. Just a very, um, I mean, just a very quiet week in general. Down a little bit one day, up a little the next. Down a little bit more, up a little bit more. I mean, just very, um, I think, net, fairly net neutral for the week, considering all the up and down we've had. And when you look at the last, Three weeks, really. This is by far the quietest and most um, most uh, reminiscent of taking a breather and trying to reevaluate um, where the priority should be. Uh, and we talked a little bit about this off air beforehand, but when you look at what the contract volume in, like the May board, for example, is, um, it's minuscule compared to what we're we're used to seeing. Um, you know, all of like fifty thousand contracts of corn in the May board, um, maybe forty forty five thousand in the soybean the May soybean board. So, just a lot quieter than what we've seen. Um, in the previous couple weeks, and actually probably the, the previous few months. So, uh, kind of nice for a change. Yeah, well, having said that, though, is it possibility we could get kind of relaxed into seeing this and get, kind of get lost in what everything else has been happening? Um, yeah, you know, I, I definitely think there's some things, some, some headline items that, to your point, may have gotten lost in some of this. Um, there's just been, and by this, you know, I'm kind of referring to what's going on immediately in that Black Sea region, Russia, Ukraine. You know, we're, we're waiting to see. We're just mm-hmm. constant wait and see mode. And so are there definitely outli- outlier headlines that what we're normally trading right now that we're, it feels like we're not trading? For sure. Um, you know, we have a, we have a planning, prospective planning report coming at the end of this month and I didn't hear anything about it this week, Susan. So, <laughs> you know, and, and that's that's two weeks, you know, like two and a half weeks. So um, that's usually something that is a little bit more of the forefront and that there's more debate on, you know, what's it going to say? What does it mean? What does that put stocks? Where do next year's stocks go? There's like all this back and forth. So what we've done is while we're so focused on like that Black Sea market, we've sort of consolidated the time frame in which we give to any other headline. 
Um, it's it's kind of a like, okay, well, you get to trade this headline for about half of trade today, and then we're going to go on to whatever is going on with Russia, Ukraine. And this week, it seemed like because of the slowdown we had, as far as, you know, we're not going to, there, there was a little less overreacting to what was happening in the Black Sea region that we did see actually um, some pullback kind of relate to, you know, some of the lackluster export, immediate export numbers, um, a little bit more precip in the forecast in the U.S., a little bit of precip in the forecast for some parts of South America. I think that's kind of where you see some of this negative um, push downwards. Um, it wasn't real big. And it wasn't long lived because then we turn around the next day and we, you know, trade some positive um, um, premium back into the market because of war tensions. But uh, we're just not seeing that trade for near as long or as in in as much importance right now as what it would normally trade. I do think that's going to change. I mean, at some point we're going to start realizing this this war, the solution is is a long ways off. It feels like um, so we've we've got to keep paying attention to what's at the forefront here, and that is that. We're, we're going to get some finalized numbers here out of South America pretty quick on a bean harvest and bean numbers and uh, on some corn as well. We're going to start getting in the field here in the U.S. I mean, these are all real numbers that are actually happening. Um, we're not sitting in limbo. You know, we have to keep functioning as an ag producer. And so we'll get back to those numbers. Um, but some of this shock and awe has got to wear off a little bit more. And it, it kind of feels like maybe this is the start of it, but it's really hard to tell. Um this weekend is sort of a pivotal point. Every weekend feels like that. And so funds kind of got out of things and slowed down, and we'll see what happens over the weekend. And Sunday night could be wild again yet. Well, you know, and it's been interesting, Heather, because we've we've had such a focus on the Black Sea region that it, we kind of forget that it has been dry in South America. We forget that, mm-hmm. you know, they're wrapping up this soybean harvest and getting some preliminary numbers. You know, CONAD and, and the U.S. are pretty close on, on where those estimates yeah. are at. And it's easy to just kind of get, as you say, wrapped up in the headlines versus the whole wide picture. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, we've definitely seen, you know, WASDE's made some adjustments to that South American crop lower. CONAB made even more adjustments. So we're, we're sitting about 4 million metric tons difference right now, I believe, is, is where that difference is at. And I think there's rumors that both WASDE expects expect to see that continue to get lower, um, a lower South American bean production number. And then CONAB is also talking about they still need to, to, to decrease that number a little bit off of what actual yields have been. So, yeah, I mean, that is huge. Um, you know, those changes alone warrant, you know, a rally itself based right. on supply issues. All right. Well, stick around, folks. We've got a lot more coming up as we continue with the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. At Fontenelle Hybrids, we understand there could be some tough decisions this spring when choosing seed for your farm. Fontenelle still has a good selection of Extendiflex soybeans with triple stack tolerance to dicamba, glyphosate, and glufosinate to handle your toughest weeds. Contact your local Fontenelle dealer about Extendiflex soybeans and ask about our locally proven corn hybrids too. Always follow IRM, grain marketing, and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're continuing our conversation this afternoon with Heather Ramsey. Heather's with the ARC Group and 
talking about kind of forgetting things, it's kind of hard to forget, though, how dry it is from, from Texas all the way north. I mean, there's winter wheat concerns. There's already talk of uh, some spring planting, obviously, that's underway in the south. And for some, they're planting into the dust and hoping for moisture. And we've had some pockets that have gotten some rain, some pockets that have gotten some heavy, wet snow. But it's still a long way to go before we can get out of this drought issue. Yeah, from everything that I've sort of seen, um, when you look at existing uh, or current drought monitors, when you look at just watching the weather pattern as it kind of flows through this northern plains region, um, you're, I mean, you're just absolutely right. It's so dry. I mean, I see it in my own backyard and that sometimes that's our worst enemy. Our, looking in our own backyard can be our worst enemy. There's a lot of times we think it's dry and it's really just our yard, right? And it's, you know, the, the guy, you know, 10 miles over is living in a garden and so is the next 15 miles and 20 miles. But that, that's definitely not the case right now. Um, seen some drought monitors and, uh, there is a pocket of severe drought. Uh, there's the pocket of moderate drought, but that, you know, that, that, that pocket is very large. It encompasses, you know, three, four, five, six. <laughs> I think I was, I counted it the other day and I think it, it touched seven different states on a moderate drought. And then the severe drought was touching three or covering three full states. Um, and so I kind of, I kind of joke that it's like, well, if you're east of the Mississippi, you're golden. If you're west, sorry. <laughs> but um, that is pretty close to kind of where that line kind of hits. If you're west of the Mississippi, um, there's a pocket just west of the Mississippi that seems to be sort of avoiding some of this real bad drought. But then beyond that, the further west you go, the drier it seems to get. Same thing with kind of where we're at here. If you go north and south from Nebraska um, up into the Dakotas, we've got some serious dryness. Down south, for sure, um, you continue to go south and see just dry, dry, dry. You know, my husband and I had a chance to do a little road trip here just um, the end of February, and I, I just have never seen a winter wheat crop look like that, um, driving south through Kansas and into Oklahoma, and just um straggly um i just i just felt for them so much um between the dryness and the severe wind just you know, ripping it apart at this point um gosh the moisture what little moisture we have received is so needed and we continue to need more so obviously speaking in terms of that related back to the market you know we haven't really seen a whole lot of spikes or um, trade based around a poor, the immediate last couple months um, of, a, of a poor wheat crop. I think prior to um, when we were trading through November and December and, and a little bit into January there, we were definitely seeing some premium come back into this wheat crop because there was problems. And we suspected there would be fairly big problems. Now, obviously, the, you know, the whole world situation kind of throws another issue into there um, for the wheat crop. Um, but it, it, it's continued to be a problem. Uh, the moisture is a problem for wheat. We're definitely 15, 20 days away from kind of the heart of our area getting in the field. And it is, is so dry. Um, you know that it's serious when you're starting to hear your own farmers and clients say, well, maybe we'll have to water this thing after we get it in the field just to get it up. You know? right. So um, that's never a good feeling when you hear that. It's and it's concerning from a planning standpoint on my end. And we have to be very careful about how aggressive we get from a marketing standpoint. 
um, and what types of tools we're using. Because uh, you definitely don't want to know you have a dry problem, you know, a dryness problem. Um, you don't want to know that and then still go business as usual because um, you can actually overexpose yourself then to um, should you have some production issues. So we're being very careful about, you know, how we're forward marketing and hedging and protecting uh, when we see that dryness is a, is a serious issue for a lot of our clients. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because as we get ready to wrap up quickly, your thoughts on this whole positioning and what folks need to think about. Yeah, you know, I think but I've heard a lot of people say that, oh, I sell too soon. And honestly, I can argue that your first sale is probably the best first sale you've made in 10 years. Um, and it's probably not wrong. Uh, I think we can continue to make sales and price grain that, again, they're not wrong. Um, they make money. The problem here is that we're going to continue to outguess ourselves so this market continues to climb. And at some point, we're going to be saying to ourselves, hey, we don't have any more bushels to sell or we can't just keep selling. We're, we don't know what we have in the ground. And so I think it's a, a good time to kind of reframe what does good look like farm by farm? Um, what is the comfort level uh, as in a percent sold? What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? Yeah, they can give any one of us a holler at the ARC group. Uh, it's 402-484-7474 is our direct line. Um, any one of us will be more than happy to, you know, touch base, talk through strategies and ideas and and get you rocking. All right. That has been today's Fontenelle Final Bell. It's been brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers right here on the Rural Radio Network.